At Discount Tire, you can shop online and get the same trusted advice you get from the stores. Then just book a time that's convenient for you. When you get to the store, you can stay safe with a new touchless experience. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. Johnsonville Sausage Strips are strips of sausage that look and cook like bacon. They come in amazing flavors like original, maple, or chorizo. Now you can transform your BLT into an SLT or turn your bacon cheeseburger into a chorizo cheeseburger. It's not bacon. It's Johnsonville Sausage Strips, and it's a meaty miracle. Find it by the bacon, even though it's sausage. Welcome in to DC On Screen, number 288. I am your host, David C. Robertson. This is my co-host, Jason Goss. Hello. And we are the show that talks the DC Universe on film and television. This is our weekly DCEU episode, so we'll be getting super spoilery on all of the DC film news that's been released in the past week. By the way, I hope you guys had a happy holiday, whatever that was for you. Um, <laughs> and are looking forward to a fuck 2016 new year. You know, I've actually actively been really annoyed with all of the hatred toward 2016 crap. Like, it's eh. just a bandwagon that everyone's jumped on, and it's really annoying. Nope. I'm nope. like, it has been a very frustrating I, year. How so? I'm not talking about like in the global sense. I don't care about the. I don't care about anyone else. I mean, I've had a frustrating year, and I want to get into a new one. I've had a frustrating year, but you know, on a personal level, it? fuck 2016. Let's try this again. <laughs> I've, uh, on a personal level, I'm like, eh, it was kind of, kind of similar to all the others. <laughs> um, anyway. Right now I'm brandishing that new hope of the future. The last two or three weeks. Ah, hope brandishing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, going to jump right into the news here. Lego Batman. They've released a new picture of Batman in a golden tux. Yeah. Um, it says in all the Batman movies, there's always a big gala. But one of the things Batman doesn't like doing is going out and seeing people and carousing as Bruce Wayne. He thinks Bruce Wayne is a bummer. He'd much rather be doing Batman-y things, says director Chris McKay. He says, but fortunately, Alfred entices him to come out of the Batcave by telling him, look, if you go out tonight to this gala, you ha you can have a tuxedo dress-up party. So in the shot, this is one of the many tuxedos that Batman tries in, in a sort of dress-up party montage like Sex in the City. Yes. And it's him on, it looks sort of like a, like a club or a, some sort of a disco dance floor or something yeah. in him in a, in a gold tux. It was blinging. They've also released, uh, six new Lego Batman movie posters. One that says, one that has Batman on it. It says back in black. One that has the Joker on it says jokes on you. One that has Robin on it says boy wonder. Batgirls says she's so boss. Harley Quinn says wild card. And Alfred, my favorite one of them says kick butler. Nice. Yeah. Over to DCEU news. Jared Leto turned 45. God, he doesn't look it. No, he doesn't. It's probably all of the souls he's harvested over the years. Whatever works for you, dude. <laughs> so uh, the Hollywood Reporter uh, did a a pretty extensive interview with Charles Roven, uh, DC, uh, Warner Brothers uh, producer Charles Roven, and they talked about the future of the DC films. And, uh, the, the actual article is a pretty cool, pretty, pretty cool article and interview is, uh, it's called THR's producer of the year, Charles Roven on the future of DC films and what really happened between George Clooney and David O. Russell. I won't tell you what happened between George Clooney and David O. Russell because it was a really good article and you should go read it. It's very, <laughs> very entertaining. 
and talk about Richard Pryor a little bit. It's fun. But um, I'll, we'll talk about the, uh, the DC-related stuff. But uh, Stephen Galloway was the uh, interviewer, and uh, he did a good job. It was a fun article. They talk about what it means to be a good producer, how the role changed through the years, how Charles, how Charles Roven got started in the, in, uh, the show business. Um, now, as far as uh, DC Films are concerned, this is, this is what they covered. Um, Steven says, there was talk you'd step away from DC Films to some degree. And Charles says the studio made the producer made me the producer of all the DC movies, and they announced eight. When we finished the timetable, we looked at each other and said, "This is incredibly ambitious, but we haven't taken into consideration if something goes wrong." Um, now, a lot of headlines and stuff are saying that you know they that WB hasn't still hasn't taken into account if something goes wrong. I disagree. <laughs> I think they have, based on the last two movies, they have completely taken into account. What if something goes wrong? They have been jucking and jiving as as it came, and and people are giving them shit about that too. So um, you can't have both people. And it looks like everybody wants them both. Like people are just vying for both. Like wait, we don't want. The, how are they not taking into account? Oh, okay, you should be both okay. stalwart and brave and understanding and maybe a little malleable, but definitely you've immalleable. Been, you've been bitching for months that they were changing things. Because they have no backbone, because they don't believe in their in their vision, right. or in Zack Snyder, and now here. Eh. <laughs> so anyway, he goes on to say, "Like we the also fans to... as a whole, we are not a coherent group. <laughs> That's what we're getting at no. here. No, any not, single one of us even... might have a clear vision, but as a whole, we make no sense. <laughs> a lot of people I'm seeing don't have a don't have a lot of clear vision in of themselves. They're just contradicting themselves in their anger. There's a lot of that too." Like, why are you just, why are you so angry? Yeah. Well, DC action isn't like, I don't, I don't care. I'm sorry. It'll it's be okay. It's not like the thing. It'll be okay. Um, <laughs> he also says, we also hadn't decided where we were going to shoot these movies. As difficult as it was for me to commute from Toronto to London to Italy, it became really clear I couldn't do the job that I do as a producer with Aquaman likely to shoot in Australia. I'm for sure producing the sequels of the movies that I have made, which is maybe an indication that those movies would have sequels. Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, Suicide Squad? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, there's that. Uh, Steven says, how are Justice League and Wonder Woman going to be different? This is another thing that's getting a lot of clickbait play. That's pretty straightforward. Charles Roven says, Wonder Woman is an origination story, so the whole dynamic and the plot moves are different. I'm sorry. And the plot moves are different than other DC movies. There's also a great relationship between her and the guy, uh, Chris Pine, who crash lands on her island and is the trigger mechanism for her going back to man's world. And they, and Steven says, what about Justice League? He says, we knew we were making a very serious, compelling, driving film with Batman v Superman. Now the bell has been rung and a whole tone of the movie, and the whole tone of the movie is lighter. And a lot of people are saying, you know, like this is, or I, or are acting like this is the first uh, mention of it being lighter. It's not. It, it was no. always going to be lighter. No. That that was that wasn't news as of the debut of BBS. I the really, writer. I think there was some reaction even after the second and third trailers where people were already saying, "Oh, mm-hmm. okay, come on guys. We're we're it's going to like we're going to do this and then we're going to do another thing." Yeah, I I can't remember his name now. Um, the name escapes me. It'll do that. The guy that came, the guy that wrote with Ben Affleck, he wound up re- rewriting ben, uh, Batman v Superman after uh, 
dipshit took a took a pass. Uh, David Goyer took a pass. <laughs> um, but even he said that this was the uh, Batman v Superman was the Empire Strikes Back of the trilogy, ju- Justice League being the hopeful thing that came later. It's gonna um, kill me now. We should know his name. We'll, we'll know, remember we it later, like as soon as we stop recording. No, we're gonna have to find this out now. But <laughs> um, <laughs> keep going. I'll, I'll look it up real quick. But um. Yeah, he said this months before Batman v Superman came out. Yes, they they did change it a little more. They they were a little more hard lined on the hopefulness. Uh, I think it did make them freak out about Suicide Squad and ah. maybe made them do some reshoots. But um, for tone, I don't know. Chris Terrio, know. by the way. Chris Terrio, that's it. God, I just couldn't think of it. Yeah, I wish you knew him. We've mentioned him like eighty times. I know. So, uh, Rovan does dodge this question here. If there is a sequel to Batman v Superman or Suicide Squad, will the budgets be lower? They made less than the studio had hoped, which I think is true for Batman v Superman. Mm -hmm. Probably, I mean, you know, studios hope a lot. Um, (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh, Rovan says, Suicide Squad made almost $750 Batman v Superman did $873 Those two movies were huge hits. He's dodging that question. That wasn't an answer. And yet, it was maybe a braver answer. Mm-hmm. Well, hmm. So, um, yeah. I don't think there's much to the article as, in terms of, uh, like, what lies in the future of DC. Like, we know things are going to be a lighter tone. We've already known that. We knew that he was moving on to other things. He was just going to stay on certain projects. He wasn't doing every film. Mm-hmm. We've, we've known that for a while. And he's already said, look, I can't be everywhere. He just reiterated it here. Um, and if we're being honest, we knew that they hadn't considered that something would go wrong. <laughs> so over on Instagram, Henry Cavill posted a picture that has fans freaking out. Uh, it's a picture of Henry Cavill with The Rock drinking fine liquor in a tropical paradise. And it says, Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year from Superman and Black Adam at The Rock. Today, we drink like gentlemen and come together as friends. We're excited <laughs> for what the future brings. <laughs> this has people thinking that maybe Black Adam would be the uh, villain for Man of Steel 2. No. I don't think it would be. No, surely not. I mean, not that it, not that it wouldn't be doable. It's just Shazam is going to be around. Come on. Wait yeah, on Black Adam. I think, there are, <laughs> I think there are too many great Superman villains I'd rather see. Right. Like... Uh, Huh. Anyway. <laughs> or at least alternatively, do you want to see like Shazam in a, a, a big budget film? It's like Shazam versus, what is he, Dr. Worm? <laughs> I don't want to see anything anymore. Maybe. Um, but no, I would, I would like to see Brainiac and I would like to see, uh, I don't want to see Metallo very much. I could do without Metallo, but Brainiac sounds fantastic. I don't know that I'd call him Brainiac. Eh, why not? I mean, let's do this. <laughs> you sure about that? Why pull our punches? Let's... All right. So anyway, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Nah. I don't even want to see a Man of Steel two necessarily. If they did it, I'd probably want to see Brainiac and Lex Luthor doing something together. I think there's a lot of people that would like to see Brainiac and would would rather see like the whatever happened to the Cape Crusader version where Lex Luthor gets killed in favor mm-hmm. of Brainiac. Just so they well, could stop seeing Jesse Eisenberg act. I'm not in that camp, but there's a lot of people that are. Well, the, whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow, you still see Tomorrow, yeah. Jesse Eisenberg 
he would just have a brain on top, like a brain helmet or whatever. Yeah, um, but presumably he would <laughs> act differently, and I think uh, there's a yeah. there's a few people that would appreciate that. I'll tell you what I want to I want to see Jesse Eisenberg again, but I also want to see Lux Senior come back, and I really want it to be Brian Cranston. I know. I'm rooting <laughs> for you too. That's all I want. That's all I want in this life. Um, I mean, it's not because if that happens, I'll still ask for more. Yeah, but you know, but at least there'll be that one thing that happened. That, <laughs> that'll be that one, that one bright day <laughs> so on the gotham city sirens front nothing official yet but uh, actress stephanie corneliuson i guess uh, wants to play poison ivy she's uh she's from a show called mr robot i've been told i should watch it i have not seen it so i don't know uh how good she is as an actress she is an attractive lady uh not she doesn't really look too much like Poison Ivy to me, though. Uh, but you know, I'm fickle. I don't know. She's a good enough actress. I might be able to be. I might be persuaded to be in her corner. She's got a. She's got a picture up with some uh, some damned red hair. That um. Mm-hmm. I, I know nothing of her, but on site, you know, she'd certainly get in the in the room for an audition. Sure. She feels like a another spin on Megan Fox. Now I don't know. She might be an actual good actress. <laughs> but I just like that people uh, are actually like pitching their names for this thing. People are excited. I know. That's awesome. Isn't it? I'm a little bummed that nobody... Everybody wants to be like the naked plant lady, but nobody wants to be Catwoman. What's wrong with this world? Ah, surely there's somebody. <laughs> uh, on to Suicide Squad. Or actually, it um, may just be that everyone's thinking, I can do Poison Ivy, and all I have to do is beat Uma Thurman. Oh, well, it's not... No, you, no, you have to beat the animated series, is what you have to beat. No, not on screen, sir. Different conversation. We are ignoring Uma Thurman. I, don't, I never want to speak of Uma Thurman again. Good luck. Really wish you luck. I do. I'm not kidding. Yeah, it sucks because she's actually a pretty good actress in everything else I've seen her in. Yeah, I don't know what happened there, but it was. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, you know, we have a happened. we have a whole she's... thirty minutes worth of talking about that somewhere. On yeah, the... <laughs> I know what happened. Schumacher said, "Remember, we're making a cartoon." That is what happened. Uh, on to Suicide Squad. Um, people who hated that movie, I'm sorry, but Suicide Squad is topping DVD and Blu-ray sales sales charts um, right now. NPD, sorry, NPD, yeah. Uh, video scan first alert sales chart says that they are uh, the DVD and the Blu-ray are uh, are top on the charts and on Amazon. So <laughs> <laughs> take that more totals. That, that's a thing that's happening. Um, Clay Enos released a picture of Harley looking out of the window of a helicopter, and that was apparently on the last day of shooting. So yay. Mm-hmm. Um. All the headlines are like, a gorgeous picture of Harley to tide us over until Gotham City Sirens. And I'm like, eh, yeah. yeah, she's looking out of a window. Okay. Excellent. Not my favorite picture that I've seen from Clay, but still amazing. I don't know. Always is. Man has a very high uh, bar. So, he does. And by this measure, eh. Yep. But, um, yeah, it looks like Deadpool and Suicide Squad are finalists uh, in <laughs> the makeup category. For the Oscars, so they're gonna be well. Hmm. They're up against uh, Deadpool, Suicide, uh, Deadpool, Dressmaker, Florence Foster, Jenkins, Hail Caesar, a man called Ove, and Star Trek Beyond. Star Trek uh, for the makeup artist and hairstylist thing, which isn't even gonna be, I guess, part of the actual normal ceremony. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a whole set but, of uh, technicals that no one actually ma- that don't yeah. right now. Yeah. Star Trek Beyond, that's stiff comp- that's stiff competition. Yeah. I don't even know I don't, I don't know how hell Caesar's going to 
I haven't seen a lot of these others. Yeah. Hail Caesar, I, I don't know. Like, they did a good job, but it ain't Star Trek Beyond good. <laughs> Suicide Squad might actually have a uh, have a chance, though. Right. That. Uh, what, somebody on our Facebook page, like, responded to that article and was like, I've now lost faith in the Oscars. I'm like, when the hell did you have it? Right. Like, <laughs> why did you have it? I was around, uh, I don't know, eight-ish when I lost faith in the Oscars. <laughs> So uh, Viola Davis explained why she loves playing Waller. She was on Variety's Playback podcast, and she was asked how she liked being in a huge, big-budget superhero movie. She says, I loved it, and I think I loved it because I didn't think that deeply about it. I just thought it was fun. What was fun to me about Amanda Waller, who was heavy, pearls, afro, she has no superhuman strength, but absolutely just puts fear into the hearts of all these villains. That appeals to me greatly. There's something about her for me that was familiar. I was working out the bad girl, but from a space that, for me, is based somewhat in reality. I liked playing with that power. It's something so often not given to women, that kind of unapologetic badassery. Totally fair. What did they say about her in the movie? That is one mean lady. Yeah, and you know, when, when I saw unapologetic badassery, it occurred to me that like that phrasing made me think, I hope she winds up being like the Nick Fury of the DCEU. <laughs> Like, she just shows up in movies causing trouble. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, just not really, like, it's not the same role as Nick Fury, but just being the connective tissue that just brings it all together. That would be a lot of fun. Well, like, I, I really loved her as Waller. Like, if Lex doesn't spend his entire uh, term in Justice League, the, the coming movie, just in jail, kind of doing ding, 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 ding. It, say he makes it out. Well, I'd love it to be because she thought he should be out. Let him out. Nice little yeah. cameo from her later saying, how do you think Luthor got out? <laughs> yeah so there was an awesome video that scanline vfx put out it was uh it was a video of their breakdown of their visual effects from batman v superman it's really cool yeah. i'll put up a link to it you had it do you had did you have anything to say about it to say than, about no it's just yeah. it's just genuinely badass like you have to almost watch it in pieces to get what they're doing it, mm. it's worth rewatching kind of in sections almost to kind of really see what they're doing but it's uh really cool breakdown it's one of those for me that i didn't quite like i was in awe and i watched it a couple of times because i was just i wasn't completely aware of just how much cgi was applied in that movie and that's really that's saying something about the people who put it together yeah the fact that it didn't come across to me as cgi like i gave that movie some shit about a couple of shots (laughs) <laughs> that were CGI, and I was like, ah, oh, such a green screen bullshit. And then, like, all this stuff, I'm like, you know what? My hat's off to him. Yeah. I don't, I got nothing. And this simple stuff, awesome. too. Like, the uh, like the the scene where he rescues the people in the flood. There was, exa- there was like, four rooftops in that scene, and one of them is apparently a real rooftop. Mm-hmm. Just simple stuff, but it never even crossed my mind that that wasn't a real rooftop those other people were on. Yeah, and I think my, the most impressive to me was the... I think it was like four different shots that they that they did, and then they like pieced them together so they can get the the panoramic shot of the Batwing flying over, right. blowing up the cars. Yeah, that was fantastic. Like, oh, and, and some of the cityscapes were just fascinating. I really loved watching the the, the subtraction and addition of an entire city's mm-hmm. just skyline. 
Mm-hmm. It was really cool. And you can see him just like take away a piece, put another piece in, take away another piece, put another piece in, and then you look at it and go, "Oh my god, that's the shot in the movie." That doesn't look anything like the city I was just looking at. Yeah, and you know that that plays heavier. Like I've often made the argument that like when people are like like for like Tron Legacy, like when people are is that what, is that what it's called? I don't mm-hmm. know the second Tron movie, whatever it was called. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> my brain went away. Uh, people were like, oh, junk, like they did the CGI on the face of Jeff Bridges. They made him young for the bad guy or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. It didn't look real. It looked fake. It was Uncanny Valley. And I'm thinking, watch normal Jeff Bridges. Watch any of these people that you think are real people, that you're like the actual actors. If you stare at a person long enough and with enough scrutiny, they stop looking real. Yeah, they stop making any sense. And I feel like, you know, it's sort of the same thing with like we see Doomsday and we're like, that doesn't look real. That looks, that's bad CGI. Like, people said that, and uh, I felt that way in a couple shots. And then, you know, I'm looking at this VFX reel, and I'm like... These guys you know are I masters. Didn't even, I didn't even realize, and I don't know that they did it for the whole movie. They didn't have doomsday shots or anything. They probably called in a couple of different houses. But, sure. you know, looking at this, I'm like, it would not have occurred to me that this was CGI, like, on his face. Not that I had any reason to believe that these shots could be made in a real cityscape or that they would just use a city for, you know, completely just use a city with no alterations uh, for a separate fictional city. But, you know, knowing that there's CGI there, I'm like, and starting to scrutinize it going, oh my gosh, that was CGI. You know, it just makes you like think about like, you know, Doomsday is CGI, so you're going to like tear it apart. But the other stuff you're not thinking about, you're just like, oh yeah, that's just a car driving. I don't understand. Why are we talking about this? Yeah. Well, it's fun that you, like, if you're looking at the scene before and you're scrutinizing it, you're, you're looking at it and like you, you, your instinct is like, ah, they got this shot like 80% wrong. It's terrible. Might as well round up to a hundred. And then when you look at everything that was actually in it, you're like, no, they missed like 5% of this that I didn't feel great about. Everything else is fucking perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some perspective mm-hmm. there. Overall, really cool. Uh, they released a picture of Wonder Woman taking the God Killer uh, sword, sort of Athena. Mm-hmm. Um, nice shot. About all I can say about it. Like they're saying, this is the uh, you know the moment where she decides to actually go into man's world and do something about it, try to save it. So big character moment for her. Yeah. Also, I'd like to see that. I I'm I'd be willing to lay a bet down right now that you're gonna see. Something about that moment in trailer number two. Mm, it, I think we already have. It looks like she's pulling a sword out to take care of that general who's probably Ares. I was, yeah, I, I've seen that sword uh, th- that she's kind of wearing as like the, the back pin of her dress, but um, mm-hmm. we haven't seen her pull it out. I wouldn't be surprised if you actually saw her pull it out and, uh, you know, because it's a nice little, I don't know, scene that it, it's backsplash that it's set in that she pulls it out of. It's probably going to be very pretty to watch. Mm hmm. And uh, as far as the uh, the movie is concerned, the blade actually is emblazoned with the words, life is killing all the time. And so the goddess kills herself in the sacrifice of her own animal. Hmm. Something that uh, Wilkinson, Michael Wilkinson, put in there. Cool. So as we know, the uh, UN fired Wonder Woman. <laughs> sure, <laughs> as sure. an ambassador. Um, so <laughs> one a UN woman... Well, there are a bunch of the UN employees were 
apparently staging a silent protest, whatever that means, uh, against the ambassadorship. Uh, one woman said, referred to her as a large-breasted white woman of impossible proportions. I think we mentioned that one. And one woman, we actually didn't, I don't think, but one woman at the UN said that she was a, it was pop culture imperialism. <laughs> Gal Gadot came out against, uh, these accusations she said there are so many horrible things that are going on in the world and this is what you're protesting seriously when people argue that wonder woman should cover up i don't quite get it they say if she's smart and strong she can't also be sexy that's not fair why can't she be all of the above you you can be sexy sorry you can be beautiful and sexy and smart and successful and confident but still you can be vulnerable she says um linda carter also <laughs> which i i almost left this for tv but no i'll do it here mm-hmm. linda carter was talking about uh the wonder woman ambassadorship as well she says what i find interesting is that they didn't look at the larger picture i agree that the issue of gender equality is much larger than any character is and i understand that a comic book character should not be representative of something that is that important i agree with that what I disagree with is this idea about Wonder Woman. She's an iconic defender. She's archetypal. She's the ultimate sexist. It's the ultimate sexist thing you can say. Sorry. To say that all that's all you can see when you think about Wonder Woman. All you can think about is a sex object. And uh, the interviewer says, what about the skimpy outfit? She said, yes. Yeah, so Superman had a skin-tight outfit that showed every little ripple, didn't he? Doesn't he have a great big blue bulge in his crotch? <laughs> or red. Depends on the year. Hello. Oh, she didn't say blue. I misread that. I'm sorry. Oh. Didn't he have a great big bulge in his crotch? Oh, okay. Hello. So why didn't, why don't they complain about that? And who says Wonder Woman is white? I'm half Mexican. Gal Gadot is Israeli. The character is an Amazonian princess, not American. They're trying to put her in a box and she's not in a box. <laughs> So basically, okay, fine, have your complaint, we'll go. But get your shit straight. Mm-hmm. You have completely misread inter- this character. The interviewer said, did you ever think of your character as sexy? She says, if you think of the 70s, that was miniskirts and bikinis. I never really thought of Wonder Woman as a super racy character. She wasn't out there being predatory. She was saying, you have a problem with strong women? I am who I am. Get over it. I never played her as mousy. I played her being for women, not against men, for fair play and fair pay. Some critics called... Uh, the interviewer says some critics called Wonder Woman a male fantasy, but wasn't the show more aimed at girls than boys? Linda Carter says, I still have women at airports coming up to me saying, oh, you don't know what it meant to me. That show got me through this difficult time, that difficult time. Uh, that's really where the fantasy became a reality, where Wonder Woman became, became something much more than a TV show or a comic book. And I'll tell you this, when women rec- recognize me in airports... I hold them in my arms and they cry. If a guy comes up and says, oh my God, I had such a crush on you when I was a teenager, I say, talk to the hand, I don't want to know. Yeah, sure. I, I've had I've had probably one conversation with a guy about Wonder Woman for every five I've had with a girl about Wonder Woman, like back in the 19th, I mean, Linda Carter Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. And it's roughly along those lines, like, oh yeah, yeah, I knew her when I was young, like, great, okay, what do I do with that? Versus like that, a lot of the conversations I've had going uh, with with women are like, oh man, she was awesome. Man, I loved watching her. She was just like, she kicked ass. It was great. Mm-hmm. There were all these other characters, but like I had Wonder Woman. What's odd is I I have like I don't know three or four women in my life that have been like, oh man, I had such a crush on her. <laughs> <laughs> I've run into a couple of those too. All right. <laughs> well, okay, cool. I you know not inspiring. 
Not really. Just had a crush on her. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> uh, going on to Justice League. Henry Cavill, I don't know if he meant to, but he revealed key Justice League things. He said, uh, <laughs> talking about Justice League, he says, there's pretty much an argument between Superman and Batman as to who is the leader. So I guess Justice League is going to be Batman v Superman. <laughs> I don't know. Park Dukes. Noon of Justice? Yeah. He probably slept through most of the day. Evening of Justice. Mm. <laughs> Evening of Justice. <laughs> Just us, Justice Ducks. Mm-hmm. Sorry, that was an episode of Darkwing Duck. Um, Which I'm sure will be around shortly. We can only hope. Yeah, DuckTales is back. It won't be so, long. Just wait. You know the original DuckTales and Darkwing Duck were in two separate universes? Yeah, they just aired so closely in my childhood that I was just, it was like an hour where I watched Ducks. No, it was like one of the producers or something came out and they were like... Because they were, I think they were being asked about the new Dark, Ducktales if there was going to be a Darkwing Duck revival or if it's going to mention it. And he's like, "Well, I mean, there are two separate realities. Didn't you ever wonder why Launchpad was a terrible pilot in Ducktales, but a great pilot in Darkwing Duck? Multiverse, man. That's fine. <laughs> I just, you know, I get never, I never worried about Baloo suddenly being a pilot in Tailspin. I did. I wanted to know why. I was like, when did he get off that island? Start dressing the top half of his body. Well, you know, in and in learn duck, how to pilot. Uh, sorry, in in Tailspin, they often referred to uh, some sort of a war, like a great war. I just figured like all the anim- like all the humans died and the animals took over. Right, as would naturally happen. Mm. I mean, they became bipedal. I don't. <laughs> if the animals became bipedal, I mean, I still think we would wipe them out. But still, you know, know. what with our ability to already fly Terrifying. those planes and whatnot. Terrifying. Yeah, they just snuck up on us, man. I, I doubt evolution would be like, well, we got to do something with these planes. Yeah, evolution. That's what it was. Like they adapted, and then they were like, uh, they adapted like a hundred years ago, and they were like, we're just biding our time. We're slowly learning things, and then pounce. One of them finally stole an owner's manual. Like the time is nigh. <laughs> anyway, moving on. <laughs> There's been a lot uh, said about again, a lot said about how suddenly we're making Justice League fun. This is not a new thing. Mm-hmm. Zack Snyder was talking to Total Film about Justice League. He said, um, I think it's all about, it's all in the characters inherently. This larger than life, big, fun stuff, especially when you're dealing with the Justice League. And I don't think this is out of turn. But, you know, what's more, I thought Batman v Superman was fun. So, I don't know. Screw y'all. Um, <laughs> I, enjoy- I watched it with my, like, four-year-old nephew, the little, like, battle scene. Just the actual battle oh, yeah? scene the other day. Mm-hmm. He had a wonderful time. Yeah. I watched Superman pulling a ship through the ice. That was fun. Yeah. Sorry you guys didn't enjoy that. Sorry he didn't have a, you know, quip like Tony Stark. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry he wasn't womanizing. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) That's opening a can. Mm -hmm. Let's move on. Mm -hmm. Um, Entertainment Weekly put out a new photo with the Flash, Batman, and Wonder Woman. And uh, Zach says, I'm super happy with the chemistry of my League of Justice doers. And apparently they say he's in the middle of editing the the Justice League now. Uh, Ezra Miller says, Flash is Ringo Starr. He annoys everybody, but he doesn't have any specific beef with anyone. <laughs> I don't know how the hell he's talking about Ringo that way. Shit ain't right, Ezra. Oh, come on, man. Even I, a relative newbie when it comes to the Beatles, knows that, you know, no one... Like, Ringo is absolutely everybody's least favorite. Yeah, but not because he it's was been, annoying. It's been... Just, he was the least favorite. It's not like everyone... No one ever looked at Ringo and thought, oh, that annoying sod. 
I disagree. I think a lot, like, I've seen so many jokes in media about how Ringo is, you know, like, oh, it's Ringo. Uh. You know, like, everyone acts annoyed by Ringo. I don't know why. I, like, those are characterizations in, in my uh, studies. Well, it's sure. kind of like when everyone decided Aquaman was a joke because the joke I'm not built saying on I itself agree with for it. a while. Um, I'm not saying I agree with it. I'm just saying it's part of the, uh, the almost the, the public vernacular, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Nah, I'm, I'm not willing to put annoying in there. I'll fight for you, Ringo. <laughs> Miller also uh, <laughs> offered what they claimed was a blunt assessment of his fellow leaguers. Ezra Miller says, Uncle Fish Curry is very grumpy. Dad gets grumpy, too. <laughs> I guess let's talk about Batman. Mm-hmm. Wonder Woman is very considerate, so even though she's annoyed with the Flash, she's still very compassionate. Of course. This might be the turning point for Ezra Miller. He just—he seems like he might be going off the deep end a little. No, no. <laughs> no, this is perfect. This is perfect. And it's given me these wonderful images yeah. of, like, Jason Momoa turning to, to, to Ben Affleck, or, you know, Aquaman to, to Batman and just asking, can I crush the tiny Flash ma- fast man, please? Hmm. Now, uh, you know, a while back they went to that big, there was that big press summit at the on the Justice League set. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming that's where most of this comes from. Um, but they were talking about where that photo was happening with that photo. And, um, they're talking about how they're standing. Basically, uh, it says Batman, the flash and wonder woman are in a Gotham ventilation tower in this photo. It was a massive set built for an action scene. The group said the group gets word of parademon nest of a parademon nest after a conversation with commissioner Gordon and sets out in Batman's new four legged crawler vehicle, a formidable spider like tank, which can crawl up walls digging their way through a tunnel to the ventilation shaft or on or near Strikers Island, Batman, uh, Batman's crawler uses various weapons to fend off ravenous parademons trying to attack them. Once inside, they find a massive horde of the creatures and fight their way out, including a sequence on a long and broken bridge outside of the shaft. Eventually, the crawler ends up buried in water as the ventilation shaft presumably ends up flooded. And then the concept art apparently showed the three of them standing on top of the crawler as it became consumed by water. Well, that's a waste of money. I, what do you mean? <laughs> I mean, it sounds like an expensive vehicle. It does. Of course, you know, editing is magic, so any of that could be changed. Sure. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to be watching that vehicle and or it, watching it crawl up a wall somewhere and think, oh, man, this thing is amazing. And then five minutes later, they go, oh, fuck, I wanted that to stay around. Oh, well. Mm-hmm. So they've announced that Lex Luthor and Queen Hippolyta are going to be in Justice League in, a, uh, in WB's 2017 movie press kit. I have heard. People are already pissed. I assume. I'm sorry. I like Jesse Eisenberg. So, yay. You just got to deal with him a little bit longer, guys. <laughs> uh, Patrick Wilson is training for Aquaman. He was... Uh, <laughs> apparently his sister-in-law, maybe? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marika Domancheck put up a picture on Twitter of them, and they were all sweaty from training. It says, in-laws who sweat together are awesome. Thanks for a brutal workout. And he says, yes, indeed, Orm has to prepare for a battle or two. <laughs> he does not look as flabby as he once did as Nighthawk. Night Owl. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nighthawk. What? Night Owl. Um, that's all I've got. That's all I've got on uh, the movie news. Okay. We didn't, we did not have any, uh, we didn't have any reviews for the contest. So if you would like to do that, you can uh, write it, give us a five-star review, five-star written review on iTunes or Stitcher. Uh, to be entered into the contest. The contest is 1 in 10 will win a trade paperback, Blu-ray or DVD, DC, of course, valued at $15 or less. 
Uh, we will use a random number generator to pick who wins. Uh, I think we are one away from ending giveaway three. So come on, guys. Come on, gals. Win something. Come get that free stuff. Tell us how much you like us. <laughs> we, we may not see that again until TV gets back. Mm. So anyway, that's all I got. And uh, we are DC On Screen. You can find every episode at DCOnScreen.com. Thank you for listening. We're proud members of the Giant Size Team Up Network, GiantSizeTeamUp.com, proud members of the Batman Podcast Network, and until next time, which should be, if you're doing it right, should be a DC TV news episode coming up directly. Keep some DC on your screen. Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh, man. That's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry. I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus. The Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool. Only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Better Banking is getting an unbelievable 0.99% APR rate on a home equity line of credit from First Commonwealth Bank to turn your bathroom into your, wow, I love this bathroom, bathroom. 0.99% introductory APR for six months that adjusts to a variable rate based on Wall Street Journal prime rate plus or minus a margin with a minimum rate of 2.99% and a maximum rate of 18%. Offer subject to change or withdrawal at any time. Call 1-800-711-2265 for details about credit costs and terms. Equal housing lender. First Commonwealth Bank. Member FDIC.